Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, friends, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we're not experts. We are not. We're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Mm, I need to talk to you about something. Oh, okay. Go on. So many months ago, perhaps even a year ago, we had kind of an influx of listeners who floss their teeth in the morning, kind of make okay. themselves known. Uh-huh. And I, the thought of flossing in the morning felt overwhelming and daunting to me. I'm a nighttime flosser, Dory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Recently, I have started flossing my teeth in the morning, and now I'm wondering how I can ever go. I don't think I can go back. I think this is now who I am. I think I'm a twice a day flosser. Is there a problem with being a twice a day flosser? I don't think so. I feel like I've like leveled up. Then great. Like it feels I'm happy great for you. I, I I don't know what what clicked, but one day I was like, no, you know what? I need to get some of this nighttime gunk out of my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will occasionally do a floss. If like I eat breakfast and then I'm like, mm, I feel like there's like something in my teeth. You go in for, there for a morning cleaning session. Yeah, but it's not. It's not. Um, it's not like consistent. Mm-hmm. Like I don't do it all the time, um, but I will as needed. I'm not well, opposed to doing it. Right, you're not anti a morning floss. No, I'm not. I have been. I bought myself a. Colgate tooth whitening LED kit. Okay. How's it working? I cannot tell if it's working. It is the most like absurd production. You have to wipe your teeth with a tissue and get them super dry after brushing and flossing. And then you paint them with this whitening paste or I don't know, a teeth whitening solution and then you have to wipe the brush because otherwise the brush hardens with the whitening solution. And then you have to let your teeth dry with this stuff on it. And and so you're, I'm sitting there in the bathroom like fanning my teeth with my okay. lip tucked under. Like it's an absurd production. Wow. Then you insert the little LED mouth guard. And then to, to work it, you plug it into your phone. 
it's it's a whole thing. Wow. You plug it into your phone. Yes, which really threw my husband for a loop. He was like, what is, why is that plugged into your phone? It, like, it, I, it, it is funny to me how everything has become like phone activated or phone optimized, you know? Right. Like, it's just, it is just kind of, it's interesting to me. Um, this is interesting. I, you know, my, I, I tried Crest White Strips a few years ago and my teeth were very sensitive to them, which I guess is like a thing. Um, and so I haven't tried anything since then. I know that they, they do now make Crest White Strips in a sensitive formula. Oh. So I was thinking about possibly getting those. I also find Crest White Strips to be I'm too sensitive and just they kind of make me gag, like the strange like yeah. non-flavor flavor. Yeah, it's weird. But I this polish has kind of been working. Like I can handle it, but again, questionable if it's working. And anytime I ask like a dental professional about getting my teeth whitened, I've never done it professionally. They always just say like, get those crest strips. I know. I've heard that too. So this is my version of that. Is this this weird paste with the LED light mask that plugs into my phone. But if you try those sensitive strips, let me know what you think because I'm intrigued. I will. I keep like adding them to a cart, like my target cart, and then like not actually pulling the trigger. You know, I do think that if you end up liking a crest strip, Costco has them. And that would they be have a- the sensitive ones. I don't know about sensitive, but I do see the crest strip. I will check the next time I'm there. Mm, interesting. That seems interesting. like a great bulk purchase. That does seem like a really good bulk purchase because it also seems like one of those things that like you can't just stop using. <laughs> Right. You have to be consistent about it. Yeah. You have well, to like maintain. I was talking to a friend and they had the whitest teeth I had ever seen. And I asked, I was, I asked like, are you whitening? What do you do? Because this has become like a little bit of a fixation for me, me and my coffee teeth. I don't know, like a mid forties. I've been drinking coffee and tea for two decades plus. There's like a, you know, they, I, I could I could stand to kind of brighten them up a bit. Anyway, said friend told me they drink beverages with their lips over their teeth. Just that's how they've always. What? <laughs> yes. And, oh my gosh. Hold on. Let me just see your. Uh, yes. Yes. No. And yes. What? Yes. And they think that is how their teeth have stayed so white. I don't even understand how that is possible. <laughs> like, How do you even do that? Your lips form a protective layer over your teeth like this. Uh, right now I'm wrapping my lips around my teeth. Like, let's see if I have a, I have a water bottle here. So it'd be like, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. This is what they look like right now though. They look the same to me. That's the other thing is that I think I've done this five times now with my new little LED phone tool. They currently look what I what I believe to be the same. So I'm not sure if this is actually working. Have you have you taken like 
before and after pics? No, I never remember to do this. It's like anytime I, I clean out a key. closet or a drawer. I know, I know. Same. Oh, when I why? when I when I reorganized Henry's playroom, I like texted it to a couple of my friends whose kids are the same age as Henry, and they were like, "Where are the before pics?" And I was like, "Yes." Ooh. Forgot to take them. Because <laughs> you like, what? You can't go back. <laughs> no, you can't. Well, yeah, I mean, in our house, I feel like I can remess stuff up in like a day and just redo it all. But what's frustrating is like, I think the before pics are more satisfying than the afters. Oh, what do you mean by that? I mean, it's more satisfying to see the mess. And I guess that that is what makes the after photo that much more pleasing too, or maybe that much more impressive is having the before to go along with it. I'm talking right, about yes. like a reorg yes. of a drawer. Yes, let's say. totally, totally, totally. The the before picture just like heightens the effect of the after picture. Yes. But I also think, I mean, we as a society, and I include myself in this, are addicted to the rush of the before and after pick. And that goes for like, weight loss pictures too, which I think are really damaging. A hundred percent agree. And I have been actively for, I want to say years, trying to get them removed off of my Instagram. You know that kind of Instagram explore page? Yes. I feel like no matter what I do, no matter how many times I say, you know, not interested or please don't show this right. to me. I like, will here just, you go. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. Well, yes. I mean, the the before and after, quote, body transformation photos are problematic in so many different ways. And, but I agree, like, if we remove those from the conversation, just talking about, like, the way we kind of do get a dopamine hit from the before and after of, let's say, like, a home renovation. Totally. Or like a like this corner of my garden, like all of it. It's so, why is that so satisfying? Yeah. And like, for me, I'm, I've realized that the challenge isn't even so much. I mean, the challenge is the reorg, right? Like that, I find that very daunting and overwhelming, but like it's, it is satisfying, but the, but the true challenge is the maintenance. Which is not ever reflected in the after, right? Because no. the after is like, the immediate I, after. Right. Like what I actually want <laughs> is the before, the after, and then like the six months later. You know, this does is it such look a good more point. like the before picture or does it look more like the after picture? It looks more like the before. A hundred percent. So and, <sighs> that's that's the part that's so hard. You make such a great point because I think also, and I think Casey Davis talks about this like in our conversation with her, aka Struggle Care, this idea of the way everything we now consume is so visually based. Yes. Like an after pick isn't necessarily the most effective solution. It just looks the nicest on the mm -hmm. gram. And I think this is something, I don't know about you, but I struggle with this a little bit. Like I've cleaned up this drawer and made it work so effectively for our family, but it doesn't like look that cool or that right. amazing. Right. And, uh, you see, I feel like you see this or like, I mean, this was kind of the phase of life I was just in, but like, I feel like I saw this a lot with like nursery. Forget it. Because it was like, does a baby actually ever exist in this room? No. <laughs> like, <there's, laughs> it's aesthetically very pleasing, well, but 
like I don't see any true evidence of a child. Right, right. Because if there was, there would be like three dirty diapers that have been yeah. have been thrown away in like two days. There would be crap everywhere. You know, also my kids talk a lot about aesthetic. Like that is a word that gets thrown around a lot with younger generations. Mm, interesting. Like that I like they'll say like I love your this aesthetic or like what's what's this person's aesthetic or and that's not something I ever was thinking about at 20, much less 12. Yeah, totally. Um, I, you know, I also appreciate too, like, you know, our first kid, we had our first kid when we lived in an apartment, a one bedroom apartment. So our nursery was like a corner of our bedroom. Like she just, we shoved a crib in like a dresser and that was it. And I think like a lot of times these or, or like you have a you set up a nursery and then your kid ends up like sleeping in a bassinet next to you. Like it doesn't right. it's, like yeah. as you're saying, it's not reflective of the lived experience. Exactly. You know, I would love like I wonder what it feels like. You know who I think about a lot. Remember the remember the man who stopped consuming news after 2016 and was written about in like the New I York Times. I do remember him. So yes. okay, I, I, and look, I, I'm not saying we should live like that because that is whatever issues with that whole story on many levels. But what I am curious about is like, what if we didn't? What if we had n- consumed no like visual internet media for a while? Like, what if you? I know there are folks who do this, but for me, this would be very hard. But if I didn't look at Instagram or TikTok for a year or Facebook, would my thinking change? Would my perception of style change? Would what I think is cool change if I wasn't bombarded with all this continuous visual imagery? Maybe. That's an interesting question. I don't know. I, like, I don't have an answer. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. You know I'm just, I, I, you know, like I think the ways in which our social media impact our consumption and our feeling of like not having enough is also so interesting. And I think that goes with aesthetic and style and homes and all this shit. It all mm-hmm. is connected. Kind of similar yeah. to the article you sent me today about Sambas. Oh, go on. Well, you know, they're talking about you sent me a really interesting article just about the ways in which the Samba is like the hot shoe, but it's also peaking and people who have maybe worn it for more than one or two years are upset that it's now like the cool shoe and just the ways in which like we even are being influenced in this. It just feels, I don't know, style feels more streamlined and, um, less varied i think because of the ways in which like it's all just on social media and we all have access to it yeah i think that's very true not the tangent i set out to go on when i talked about (laughs) flossing this morning but an interesting thing to think about that is just what we do here (laughs) um kate should we introduce our guest we have our dear friend, Alyssa Sussman, on the pod today. Alyssa is wonderful. She is the best-selling author of the book, Funny You Should Ask. She's also written three young adult novels. She went to 
Sarah Lawrence College. She received her MFA from Pacific University. She lives here in Los Angeles with her family. And her latest book, Once More with Feeling, is out now. It just came out. Alyssa writes just really smart, funny, wonderful romance books and YA books. And she's just a delight to chat with. We're very excited to get to have her on the pod today. Um, before we get to Alyssa, though, I do just want to remind everyone that you can visit our website, forever35podcast.com, for all those links that you're curious about. And follow us on Instagram at forever35podcast. And do call or text us at 781-591-0390 or email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. And I also just want to say, if you missed the picture of Kate in her new horse girl sweatshirt <laughs> on our Instagram, I'm sorry you missed it. It was very good. Um, I'm sorry you missed it. But you can buy your very own horse girl sweatshirt at balancebound.co slash shop slash forever 35. It is a very cool sweatshirt. It is a cool sweatshirt. I mean, I feel like a bit of an imposter wearing it because I'm not a horse girl, but I think that what it is, is it's the embodiment of horse girl energy. You don't need to identify as a horse girl, a horse or a girl to wear one. Okay. It's a really, it's an open and welcoming tag that I think you really just, it, it really just kind of embodies the vibe of a horse girl. Mm, and that vibe is vibe. earnest okay. and covered in hay. <laughs> Nay. All right. We will be right back with Alyssa. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like, what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos. And like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a tretinoin gal. I love the tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now, that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash forever35. I am a first to admit that gift giving is not easy for everyone. It's taken me a long time to become like a halfway decent gift giver. But what I have learned is that the best way to win the gift giving game is to gift memories. Ooh. And you know how you do that, Kate? I'm I'm ready. I'm listening. The Aura digital Mm -hmm. frame Mm -hmm. preloaded with decades of family photos. We have gifted this to many people. And when you gift this, your family will love looking back on childhood memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating the frame with new photos. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. It's super easy to set up. It takes literally two minutes. You download the app. You set up the Wi-Fi. Boom. Boom. You're good to go. Yep. We have given this to my parents. We've given Mm -hmm. this to Matt's parents. Mm -hmm. Same, same. It's so easy because you can add photos from the app like anytime you want. And also like my brother has the app so he can add photos from his family. My sister has the app so she can add photos. My parents also have it. So they also add their own photos. That is one of the coolest parts I think of the Aura Frame is that everybody can contribute. Yes. I love that about uh, we have two aura frames in our house i have Ooh. one in my office and yeah and one in our family room and do my they kids have, love do it. they have the same pictures on them no they have different pictures <gasps> Ooh, mm-hmm. oh that's interesting maybe i should get one for my office i'm looking at a picture the one of my children right now right interesting mm-hmm. hmm. putting that away for later store that Yes. Uh, the Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email, which is what many other digital frames require. And also, then you're not taking up your email storage. So, win-win. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Forever 35 listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code FOREVER35 at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. I think it's safe to say that we have 
suffered through bras. We've been uncomfortable in them. We've devoted whole episodes to finding good ones. But I'm here to say enough is enough. 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 I mean, Dory, have I ever told you? Have I ever told you what I did in college when I needed a bra to wear with a fancy dress? What? I cut the top of pantyhose and then I duct taped that to my chest. Oh, sounds uncomfortable because <laughs> i i didn't have honey love when i was in college no well we are here to say no more being uncomfortable no with honey, no with honey loves bras you will wonder why it took so long to make something so comfortable and so supportive there's no underwire but through some kind of wonderful magic they managed to not sacrifice lift all while making it in a fabric that's so comfortable you barely know it's there especially the crossover bra I wear one of these almost every day. I'm wearing one right now because it's so comfortable and it easily fits into my life. But if you like a breathable and versatile legging, Honey Love has you covered on that front too. Plus, they have tanks, shapewear, and their V-bra that has molded cups still without the underwire to keep Mm -hmm. you from getting that dreaded uniboob effect other more relaxed bras tend to give you. So treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we send you. Treat yourself to Honey Love because you deserve it. All right, here we are face-to-face over video chat with a friend who we often see in real life. It's true. Dawned on me. I was like, oh, this is funny. We're doing this. Like, we could have done this in person. But this works, too. (laughs) Sure. It's the same. It's basically the same. Yeah. I mean, we're all very close to each other. We often write together. Thank you for the writing group shout out and the acknowledgement. That was so I mean, It was like, so nice. Truly, we should be thanking you for your dining room table. Well, we should we should thank Josh, who built the dining room table, who did an excellent job. Friends, Alyssa has a very nice big dining room table where <laughs> writers can gather and eat jelly beans. And Alyssa always has snacks. Always yes. has snacks. Yes. Always has tea. LaCroix. Yes. The and La you don't even drink is- LaCroix. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm the most proud of it. It's because I don't drink LaCroix at all. I love that. But- you know, I like I like to be a good hostess. You're, You're a great, great hostess. hostess. Yep. Can Aww. confirm. <laughs> In unison. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we do talk often at the same time. So good. Buckle it. up. Um, Alyssa, we always like to start by asking guests about a self-care practice that they have. And I'm very eager to hear yours as a, as one of our IRL friends. What what is self-care to you these days? What what does it look like in your life? What is one thing that you do as self-care? Um, I do a lot, actually, um, because as you know, and some people know, I've had a horrible past several years. So I've really had to prioritize self-care because for the first half of it, I was like, I'm fine. I'm just going to work through grief and trauma and all that stuff. And then at a certain point, it was like, no, you can't do that anymore. Like we, my body was like, no, 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 no. Um, so I think the number one thing I do for self-care is take Prozac. <laughs> mm. That's my, that's my, the thing that, it, that really stabilizes me, makes me, puts, puts the the floor up a little higher. So that's mm. always good. I like um, how you put that. Yeah. And I, I dedicated my book to, <laughs> sure to Prozac and to jelly beans because 
those are my true loves pretty much at this point. Those are the ones making it, making it happen. So now I don't know how much you feel like getting into the shittiest, like all the shitty times that you've been experiencing over the last couple of years, but needless to say, you've gone through like, I would say like some of life's biggest challenges while also simultaneously experiencing like career highs, which I imagine is a real mind fuck. It is a, it's a, it's a huge mind fuck. Um, it's, I mean, just to sort of give a a brief rundown of the past few years, um, in 2019, um, my family lost my brother-in-law, my sister's husband and my father-in-law within a like eight week or eight day period. Um, and then a year later, a pandemic started that year was also the year my dad got diagnosed with cancer. The following year, my last grandparent passed on Christmas Eve, but she's Jewish. So, you know, she probably did that on purpose. Um, <laughs> I like that. She was, humor. Yeah. She was also like extremely ready to go. Like probably one of the most miserable people you've ever met. Um, and then in January of 2022, my mother-in-law died. Then my dad died in May. And then my beloved dog died in August. So it was a lot of stuff happening. And the intense part was a lot of the stuff that happened with my dad happened simultaneously with all the stuff that was happening with funny. Um, funny. You should ask funny. You should ask the your book. first adult novel, my first adult novel. Um, it actually, the week it sold was also the week I learned. We found out that he had cancer. So it was really like low, low, low. And then like, Hey, career, career changing news that you're getting. Like, this is amazing. And then he ended up dying like a month after the book came out while the book was going viral on TikTok. So it's definitely been a, you know, I'm Jewish. So we find humor in like the darkest of dark times. Um, and so there, there is an element where I'm like, it's so ridiculous. Like if you put this in a book, mm-hmm. people would be like, all right, calm down. Like <laughs> This is... This is a little unbelievable, guys. This right. all doesn't happen to one person it in this does. short I of mean, a time come period. On. Yeah. yeah. And then and then like there was all of this like even more family drama stuff that came out, like like Emily Henry level shit about my dad that came out. And I was just like, hey, my life is a romance novel, but not in the way I wanted at this moment. Thank you so much. So was there a part of you that like, you said you tried to work through it? What kind mm-hmm. of shifted, like, was there a moment where you like, oh, I really got it? Because I think that's normal. I mean, I want to mean stop by first backtracking. I think that it is very normal to try to cope in different ways like that. That's how we, we've we all maybe done it. Um, was there an instant where that shifted for you? Or was it just, were you just kind of like, well, this is actually not working? Mm. Um, I mean, I think the fact that, f- that, um, once more with feeling, which is the book coming out or that's already out now, um, was so difficult to write in a way that I'd never experienced before. Like it was difficult to the point where I was like, I don't even know what are, what are feelings? What are characters? What is dialogue? Like what, what is conflict? You know, I just was like, I, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing at all. And I kept turning in drafts that my, my, my lovely agent, my lovely editor, they were so kind and they were just like, it's a book, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're, you're doing it. You're right. You are writing. Good, good job. Do you think that they were kind of 
treating you a little bit with kid gloves because of all the shit that had gone down in your personal life? Oh, yeah. I mean, they were being extremely generous. Um, and and I kept them appraised of everything that was happening. Yeah. Um, and and I had I had lunch with my editor recently. And she was like, she was like, Yeah, we were, uh, we were a bit worried about this book. And I was like, Yeah, me too. I really I was getting to a point where I was like, it's gonna come out. And I'm gonna be like, it's a book. That's all I can say about it. I wrote it. It's a book. Please so, let's never speak of it again. What do you think? What do you think happened? Like, because it obviously did come together. Um, did you have like a moment of epiphany or did it all just kind of seem to start gelling at some point? I think I realized that I had stopped writing for myself at some point. And so when I was like, okay, you need to really lean into the things that you love about this story Mm. and you need to forget, you need to forget everything else. Like I was really in my head about, because funny was the first book that I'd written that had been successful in any way. And I had readers and I had an audience and I was really stressed and worried about, um, pleasing other people, pleasing my editor, pleasing my agent. I I just wanted them to be happy and proud of me. Mm. Um, And so that was what I was totally focused on. And I think once I realized that wasn't working and I Mm -hmm. had to listen to my, you know, the reason I think funny works is because I wrote it with no expectations. I wrote it completely for Mm -hmm. myself. I was just like, stakes did not feel high. There were, I mean, there were no stakes. I was like, I'm a YA writer, you know, this, this is my side gig. Maybe I'll publish this under a pen name. Like who knows? Like I was fully expecting, I'm just going to be in the, in the trenches in the YA world. like grasping for attention forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. like, maybe when I'm 70, you know, someone will send me on a tour and that will be amazing. Um, and so I had, I, I was just like, yeah, romance is for me. It's for fun. It's, you know, I, I was writing this book at the time people were like, you can't really do a romance with dual timelines, you know, like first person mm-hmm. wasn't as popular. Like was, it was, you know, coming like Emily Henry was publishing and, and, uh, Kate Claiborne was like publishing love lettering, which is one of the, you know, first person romances that I absolutely love. Um, but I think it was still, we hadn't gotten to the rom-com boom yet when I was writing it. And I just happened to write it at the right time Mm. and find the right people. Um, yeah. Cause I had written other romance novels before that just didn't, you know, that were more traditional and, and dual POV and uh, third person and um, more tropey and not a, not a complicated, um, unnecessarily difficult timeline plus interstitials nonsense, which funny was. Um, so yeah, when I like gave myself permission to sort of do that with once more, that really fixed everything. Mm. I want to ask about um, you, as a theater kid, because in <laughs> this is a book about theater at its heart, right? And kind of about theater kids who grow up and, and it's a love story. We're talking now about Once More with Feeling, your new book. Um, and you are a self-professed theater kid. But what kind of struck me was in the acknowledgments of the book where you talk about how you are a, like a theater kid who can't do any of the aspects of theater, right? Like a person who loves this thing so much but it's not maybe necessarily what you are quote unquote good at. And 
it just really kind of led me to think a lot about how we don't often give ourselves permission to love stuff that like to just love something, whether or not we can do it and how we put a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on ourselves to be able to do the things that we love in this way. And I I would just like to kind of hear about like your journey as a lover of theater, but as someone who, who maybe felt like they couldn't, didn't do it. I don't know. Tell us, tell us about your theater kid identity. Yeah. I mean, I was always like my, my, home videos from childhood. I was doing writing, directing, and starring in Hanukkah plays that I forced my extended family to watch. Um, And were you a theater family? Like, was anyone putting this bug in your ear? Well, we did. We had a, we had a cassette tape of Andrew Lloyd Webber's greatest hits, which we listened to in my dad's car. That was like, that was like on you know, on, on the, on the radio or on the playing on the stereo all the time. Um, and like my grandparents loved theater and we would like, they would take us to, to see things. Um, and my mom would take us to see theater, but like my, you know, none of them are performers. None of them are like into that kind of, like they're not public speakers. They're not, you know, people who want to be the center of attention. Um, and I'm the oldest of my family. Um, so yeah, it was, I think I was just this kid who just loved performing. I loved attention, theater. Um, like there's, a, I mean, I was really young. There's a video of me and my brother doing a puppet show with my mom. And we like had my grandparents come over and they had like little popcorn. Aww. And like Aww. my brother was just like so shy. So in the video, he's just like, like leaning up against my mom or whatever. And I'm just like, ah, you know, everyone pay attention <laughs> to me. This is great. It's like running around the room. Um, and so we, I got put in, my parents put me in, uh, like I was in a theater camp for a little bit for a few summers. And then I did this theater program that was one of those things where it's like, everyone gets an equal part. Um, which I don't think is actually a really good way to teach theater because yeah, you're not like, that's not preparing you for anything like at all. Um, but I, I enjoyed being in shows. Um, and then I didn't do theater in high school at all. Um, and then in college I went to Sarah Lawrence, which is an artsy school and auditioned for things. And so you were a theater person. You were doing theater. Okay. I was doing theater, but I was like, I would, I got into one or two plays, you know, I was not good at it. I didn't, all the things that like you should love about the process, like rehearsals and memorizing lines and, you know, like I just liked the applause afterwards. Like I liked the applause. I loved, I loved the attention and like the excitement afterwards and things like that. But I wasn't like, I, I wasn't good at becoming another character. You know, I wasn't good at like inhabiting other parts or whatever. And I think I realized at a certain point that the work that would be required for me to be a decent actor, I just didn't really want to, that wasn't fun to me Mm -hmm. Um, or it wasn't something I was willing to do versus like with writing, it's like, I've put myself through the ringer with no one asking me to do it. You know, I'm just like, it's totally, it's this, the train is, is moving on its own. And I think I realized, you know, like if I didn't have that for something like theater or acting, it's like, you're never, you're screwed. Like you have to have that 
engine. Okay. But then, okay. Oh, go ahead. Go. Well, I was just going to say, people might be like, why are they asking her about being a theater kid? <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about your, your book, um, which is about theater kids. Uh, could you, for the benefit of our listeners who probably have not had a chance to read your book yet, could you just kind of give a, a brief summary of what the book is about? Yeah. It, so once more with feeling is a, Friends to lovers to enemies to lovers, dual timeline, oh, triple timeline romance, I don't know, about a former pop star who becomes entangled in a scandal, career-ending scandal, and then reunites years later with the person that she was involved in the scandal with, and they're now putting together, putting on a Broadway musical, which she's going to star in and he's going to direct. Well, and she was a teen pop star and yes. he was in a boy band. Yes. Yes. So it's, it's very, it's like it's theater and it's also pop music. And yes, it's very know. fun. And as I said Thanks. to you, after I read it, something that I appreciated about it was that you don't have to be a theater person to enjoy the book. I think perhaps your enjoyment of the book will be enhanced if you kind of like get a lot of the references. I got maybe half of them, maybe, <laughs> um, but I still really enjoyed the book. So I just, I feel like that's important to say because I wouldn't want people to be like, oh, well, I'm not really into theater. So because I, I think it's it's a book that anyone will enjoy. Oh, yeah. As a person who like married into liking theater, <laughs> I mean, I like it, but yes, like I was, I had a different experience than, than you, not a very theory kid experience, but loved the book, but you were able to like turn your theater kid brain on by writing a theater romance. Yeah. I mean, it was, re- it was fun. It was really fun to just be able to put, you know, I think I mean, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. I think, you know, I do my best work when I'm writing about something I really, really love and want to talk mm-hmm. about and like have an endless well of excitement for. Um, and, and I think when I leaned into that also and was like, oh yeah, you know, like what are the fun aspects of theater that I'm not really showing in the book? And it's like, you know, rehearsals and, you know, going out of town for tryouts and, you know, just like the sort of weird, I'm really interested in exploring like micro communities within, Mm. you know, our larger communities. And I think the theater community is so fascinating. Um, It's, you know, it's one of those things. It's like the writing community. It's like you, you kind of all know each other a little bit and it feels, it can be very um, comforting, but also can be clickish. And there's a whole nother language that gets used. There's a whole, like, you know, there are certain people who are stars within that community that outside of that, no one knows who the hell they are. Like, you know, like I, I'm watching a show with my husband and I'm like, oh yeah, that person's a Broadway person. That person's a Broadway, you know, it's a show that's filmed in New York. So I'm like, that's a theater person, theater person, theater person. Is it Succession or is it a different show? It's, um, it's the classic uh, elementary with Johnny Lee Miller. Um, that I will go to my grave saying is better than the Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, my mother is also a big fan of elementary and tried to get me to watch it. You know, billions is a show that also has a lot of theater people. Oh, I didn't know that, but isn't billions like, isn't, um, Elizabeth Warren like obsessed with billions? Is she? 
I think she's obsessed with some show. Like I mean, it wouldn't surprise like, me if she was obsessed with billions, but yeah, there yeah. are, there are a lot of theater people because I, I would always, when I used to watch it, I would like Google the actors and I'd be like, who is this person? It turned out they would be like this huge Broadway star. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I love it. So we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Alyssa, can I ask you, like, if a person is, someone's listening and they're like, I don't, I don't like musical theater. Mm -hmm. What would you say? What show would you tell that person? Would you say like, hey, go see this or go listen to this Mm -hmm. and get back to me. I want to welcome you into the theater world. And Mm -hmm. here is Mm -hmm. the the doormat you're going to cross. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's a hard one because it's like, it's, it's really going to be personal. Like my husband is not really a theater person and yet he like loves Gilbert and Sullivan, which is like, that's like even too much for me. I'm like, that is like, it's like old timey. It's old timey. It's very operatic. It's very dramatic. And I'm like, all the things you make fun of me for liking about theater is like Gilbert and Sullivan to like 10,000 degrees. (laughs) Oh my God. I love this for him. Okay. Fine. But fine. Um, And like my dad's favorite musical was a chorus line. Like, why? I don't know. Um, but I think like the musical six, which is touring right now, I think is a really good gateway drug because it feels more like a concert. Mm. Um, and, and it's actually like, I think if you like, it's, it's kind of a good, um, book to read while you're reading once more because it's about pop star. It's basically like, it's about, uh, Henry the really? six wives, but they're all like modeled after different pop stars. And they all have their music is all modeled after different pop stars. It's like an hour and a half, but it's like a concert instead of really fun. It's so much fun. The audience is like amazing. Everyone is so into it. And I think if you go to a show with like a really engaged audience, it's hard not to get excited about that. Um, As someone who is not a big theater person, I can tell you the first show I remember being like, Oh my God, this is so fun. was book of Mormon. Oh yeah, Book of Mormon is great. I mean, like the Lion King is, um, like that's a really good one for people because you know the music already, and it is one of the most beautiful, most inventive stagings of mm. a show. You know, I will it's also so say, cool. uh, Mamma Mia is a good one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are all these are all like 
there like i mean i've liked some like me and my friend greg are obsessed with the wedding singer musical which which no one likes and i'm like i think it's great i think it's super fun and you know silly and we have really like bonded over that but um yeah i mean that you will i feel like there's a musical for everybody Mm. um you just like and it's it's weird when people talk about like musicals are being are so fluffy and you know silly and stuff i'm like most musicals that i know have very dark themes oh my god you know like you know pajama game which is an old 19 you know doris day is in the movie but it's like it's all about union busting basically and you know then you you like cabaret is all about (laughs) nazis in germany and you know all of that stuff so there are some very serious themes that happen but they just do it in a way that is different type of entertaining. Alyssa, I have heard you as a writer be very outspoken about sex positive portrayals, scenes, especially for women in books. Mm -hmm. Can you just climb up on your soapbox (laughs) and just give us like your general thoughts in this area. As you know, we love a soapbox. We like to straddle a soapbox. <laughs> well, and I will. I will straddle the soapbox. Yeah, get on the soapbox. <laughs> I've heard you be. I, I think you you articulate <sighs> this very well, and I think it's you know romance is like hot to trot, but I feel like this kind of gets overshadowed in the conversation, mm-hmm. um, and is still yeah. obviously romance is not always like treated with a lot of grab, like you know. Yeah, I mean anything respect. that that mostly women do and enjoy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, um, or people on the fringe of any kind of any, um, society, um, we belittle for sure. Um, and I think, you know, with sex scenes, I think it's really important to show them. Um, I'm not saying that all writers should do it. If you want to do closed door, that's absolutely fine. And closed door, just for someone who's like, what, I don't read romance. What are these people saying is a, a book that doesn't actually, it's just suggested, but not shown. Yeah, it's like they literally it's like, like and, the, and then they went into the bedroom. Yes, yes. Fade to <laughs> and the next morning, <laughs> right? Everyone was happy. Um, and you're like, what? What? Wait, no. it, <laughs> who put what and where? I need to know. Um, yeah, and, and then there's like wide ranges of like how descriptive sex scenes can be, and you know all of that. So there, there's there's a a plethora of options for people out there who want to read different types of sex scenes. But I think it's important to have them because I think we just, we rarely see women enjoying themselves. Um, We re- I mean, we rarely see media where, you know, the end of the story is like, and everything worked out great for her and she's having orgasms and happiness, you know, like that, that's, you know, how many times do we see characters, female characters get raped for character development for someone else, you know, not even for her. Um, and so romance is like the opposite of that, where it's like, here's a character we are showing every, you know, everything in this book is about her growth and her, um, desires and needs. And, and, and I'm, you know, there are, this is sort of, I'm talking specifically about like, a more traditional like male female um heterosexual romance and like luckily we're branching out beyond that and we're having amazing um writers being able to they've already they've always been in this space but they're getting sort of more attention and they're getting more marketing and more focus which they all need and deserve um and and i think the it's you know what i'm saying about 
women also applies to people who are non-binary or trans or who, who just don't see themselves or queer who don't see themselves in popular media usually and especially do not see people who look like them experiencing pleasure and experiencing the type of pleasure that like someone is giving them with such excitement and love and care. And so I think that's very revolutionary and very, you know, I think anyone who's writing romance, anyone who's centering marginalized voices is going to be writing something that is um, revolutionary and um, important. And, and I also think now, especially with this huge fight and backlash against women's or just bodily autonomy, um, it's more important now that we write sex scenes that are medically accurate. And because I think I, I read when I was a teenager, I read romance novels and I learned a lot about sex from romance novels. And some of it is incorrect, unfortunately. Um, like, we as a society do not know what the hymen is. Like we just don't, like we don't know. We talk about it as if it is something that it's not. And that is like really interesting to me. I think, you know, we still as a culture still within the romance community, we have a little bit of an obsession with virginity. And I think it's important to push back against that and to push back on it by having sex scenes that are, have lube, the characters use lube characters use talk to each other and consent to things um, and show that these are all extremely hot, you know, consent mm. is very sexy. Um, and I think romance both like reflects and affects the way we as a society view sex. And, and I think it can do a lot to educate its readers um, and I think unfortunately now where sex ed is being pulled out of schools and all of this information about your body and what you can do with it is being denied of young people, you know, we have to be accurate in the stuff that we're writing because this is where they're going to get their information. Unfortunately, I wish that was not the case, but that is, you know, people are going to read these books and be like, oh, this is, you know, this is what I should expect. And I like the idea of expecting young women in particular to be like, oh, I should expect to have an orgasm whenever I have sex. Because it's, you know, I I am very much against this idea that like, it is so much more difficult for women to experience pleasure than men. Like, I think societally, we've taught women that and that has, you know, made it, it I don't think it's a biological thing. I think it's a social thing. So you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But I feel like if we talk, if we let women talk about masturbation and sex and pleasure the way that we let men do it, I think more women would be like, oh, I know what I like. And I know what I want. And I know that it's not impossible to have an orgasm. Or I'm not having an orgasm. Here's some information that might help me get to that or or yeah. just understand my body and my desire better. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's right. my, that's my soapbox. <laughs> Alyssa, we, we touched on this a little bit, but I was hoping you could expand a little bit on what the experience of going viral on TikTok with funny, you should ask was like, um, I would love if you could kind of like walk us through, like, when did you first get an inkling that, 
like something was happening. <laughs> and um, when did you realize that it'd become like an actual thing? Because if you're not familiar, Alyssa's first adult book, Funny You Should Ask, which I adored, went super viral on TikTok. Um, not, and it, okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Also, it wasn't like immediately after it came out, right? No. Yeah. Okay. It was a few weeks after. Okay. Please, please set the scene for us. Also, sorry. <laughs> in addition to setting that scene, <laughs> I think a lot of folks don't are, are unaware of the power that TikTok has in terms of books right now. There's a massive yes. kind of readership sharing community called Book Talk. Um, but even if you're not a participant of Book Talk, like I think TikTok has this real power to kind of drive people to things they didn't know about, um, and folks might not like not be aware of that yet. So just adding yeah. that to the list. Um, it's it's really I mean it's interesting because um, I'm not on TikTok. I'm you know I have no idea what's going on TikTok. I think that's probably for the best. Um, I don't think anyone on TikTok needs me to 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 be there. Um, which like, by the way, I think is so interesting because I feel yeah. like there's all this pressure for authors themselves yes. to be on TikTok. And I feel like for yeah. the vast majority of authors, it doesn't matter if they themselves are on TikTok. Like, no, that is that's barking up the wrong books. tree. Hard agree. Yeah. yeah. Hard agree, Dory. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's like, it's, it's so hard because, you know, you want to be able to tell people like, oh, this is this is how you become successful or this is how you get, you know, ahead. And it's like so much is luck, so much is timing, so much is just like right time, not right place, right book, right person, like so little that you can control. Um, having said that though, I had compared to my YA books where I had virtually no publisher support. I had an amazing have, you know, it's the same team I'm working with for uh, once more the most amazing team of women who like just any sort of inkling of an opportunity they saw, they chased it. They were like, okay, we we're sending this to influencers on TikTok that we think will like it. And then when something started taking off, they used the random house sort of uh, Instagram and TikTok to sort of like help it along. And, you know, it's like they, they were ready for something to happen. And I think any of my other books that just wouldn't have existed. So I had an amazing team who laid the groundwork for potential, not, not for it to go viral, but for like, you know, for it to grow and to find an audience. And, um, so when, I mean, it's, it's all kind of a crazy blur because it was really like the week that it was going viral was the week I was like offline because, my dad was dying and I was like literally like in my mom's kitchen, like on my phone watching it climb the Amazon charts and then like watching my dad on a baby monitor, mm, <laughs> like yeah. dying. Um, so it was this weird thing of like getting these texts from my agent being like, this is, you know, this is so great and getting amazing, you know, emails from my team who were just like, they were all so happy. And, you know, it's such a great experience when you do feel like it was a team effort. And I felt like, I would not be here at all. I would not have gotten as much attention as I did if I didn't have the amazing people who supported the book within Random House, um, which is not something that happens for everybody for sure. Um, but it was, yeah, it was this weird thing where I was just like, I don't even, I don't even know what's happening. Like they, they sent me a few, you know, videos that they were like, people are really liking this. 
And I was like, okay, <laughs> is there anything I can do? And they were like, nope. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll just, I'll just keep refreshing, uh, Amazon's, you know, bestseller list or whatever and just see what happens. And I remember one morning I woke up and I checked it and I told my husband, like it was, it was above a hundred at that point, you know, it was like within the top hundred. And I told my husband, I was just like, what is, what is, I saw like my mouth guard in, I was like half awake and I was just like, <laughs> like the glamorous life of a writer, you know? So it's, it's like, it's so weird. It's, it's Does weird. it, do you feel like pressure to have that same experience with once more, like, because that's the other thing is like, it's also so can be so arbitrary and, and yeah. And you're like, here's this new thing. Please also have like, make this go viral. Yeah. Like, are you, are you able to kind of let that go? Or is that something that like weighs on the back of your brain? It definitely weighs on me. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was like the big roadblock I had to get over. Yeah. Um, And I think, sort of like coming to the like realization for better or for worse that it's like, all right, I have a specific type of voice and either you like it or you don't. And so far people are liking it. You know, I got, I got lucky. I got lucky that like, I'm, it's, it's, it's a voice that people want to hear at this time, you know, that they're, they're interested in. And it's, you know, cause I don't think I'm a better writer than any other, you know, I, I know a lot of really talented writers who have written amazing books that don't, go viral that don't, you know, it's just not the right time. It's not the right like circumstances, um, which is also a good thing for me to remember just to be like, this isn't really something you can control. This is something that you just sort of have to be ready for. And when there is opportunity, you have to just go for it and, and try to use the opportunity the best that you can and to use it in a way that makes you feel like for me, it's like I, the best thing about going viral and like kind of developing a name within our industry is that I get to make connections with other writers and I get to, to know other people in our community and I get to, you know, help elevate other writers. And, you know, like that's, that's the thing that's really exciting for me. So I'm like, okay, how can I use this in the best, in the way that makes me feel like this is a community thing and not just about me and my success by itself. I love it. But I'm fully, that's, I'm fully expecting virality. Cool. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, no pressure, no pressure, no pressure. Well, it's also, yeah. it's also like the change, the metrics of, you know, like four years ago, m- books and TikTok weren't yeah. a thing. Things change so fast. You yeah. never know. You you can't you can't anticipate anything. You can't. You just have to like. The thing I always say is like you have to write the book for yourself. So at the, the end of the day, you at least have one person who liked it. Mm. Cause that's, you know, that's really all you can, I've had so many experiences with like my first three books where it was, you know, the experience with the publisher was like, we published it. Right. Bye. Bye. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I, I, we don't know why it's, it's not top of the charts. I mean, we didn't put any money into it, but like, you know, it probably, it's probably your fault. This, the book probably <laughs> wasn't good enough. And it's like, you know, being when you have such like dis like because I had I had a YA book come out six months before Funny came out. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, no one knows about it. You know, it's like I was. You know, I think they're both good books. They're I'm proud of both of them. Um, one of them had an entire team of people to support them, and one of them had an editor who wouldn't return my emails. So you know, slightly Is the different. Publishing industry listening. <laughs> 
you know, it's, it's just like, it's a good thing for me to just remember, like, I'm, I'm not special in that sense. And, mm. and I, so, you know, it keeps me from getting on my high horse about my own abilities and my own skills and just being like, be grateful and be generous to other people. And, you know, I, I think knowledge is, is an incredibly useful thing to share with other writers. And I really try to be a good, you know, citizen of the, of the, the writing community and try to help other people and, and encourage other people. And, um, I, I'm definitely a proponent of, you know, high, high tides lift all boats. Um, I have appreciated how transparent you've been just on our text chain. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Just quickly before we wrap, are you reading anything right now that you want to shout out? Oh, there are some really good books coming out in June. Um, I am super, super excited for Rich- for Rachel Lynn Solomon's Business or Pleasure. I don't know if you guys have read it yet. I haven't read it yet. Oh my God. But like when I, when I talk about books that we need as far as like talking about consent and talking about you know, her book deals with abortion, you know, it's just a character who's had, I'm hopefully mm-hmm. not giving anything away. It's not a plot point, but the fact that it's just even mentioned, it's like, yeah, we should have been doing this for years. We should have just normalized it within this community. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, and her, and her book is great because it is like so sexy and so fun. And it's just like, I, I cannot say enough about it. I'm doing an event with her at the, at the Rip Bodice, I think in July. And I cannot wait to talk to her about it because the book is, it's just delicious. It's really, really good. Um, so that's the book I'm really, really excited about. Um, I don't know. What are my, I mean, The Daydreams by Laura Hankin just came out, which is great, which is also like a pop star or like child star, you know, sort of mystery, um, entangled things. Um, and then Romantic Comedy by Kurt, Curtis Sittenfeld just came out, which is also sort of like a, a, a normie regular person romance, which, so it's like, these are books I think that if you like funny or you like once more, they're really good, um, comps for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a ton of stuff coming out. Like it's, we are, we are, have a wealth of amazing romances that are coming out and I'm very excited for both the things that you guys are working on. Thank you. TBD. (laughs) TBD. Um, Alyssa, this was really fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, Where can our listeners find you? I know you're doing some events around um, Once More's release. So where could people find that information? That information is I am pretty much only on Instagram as far as social media. And I'm just... Sussman. Um, if you can spell my name correct, you'll, correctly, you'll probably be able to find it. You know, I think I'm the only one. Um, and then <laughs> I have a website, which is also just my name. Um, and there's a place you can subscribe to a newsletter, um, which comes out occasionally. Um, I'm very proud of the newsletter title, which is Alyssa Explains It All. Um, so good. I mean, so you guys. Very good. You know, I'm, I'm definitely leaning hard into the nostalgia of being a, an elder millennial. It's a Clis- it's a Clarissa explains it all reference, which is. if you're not familiar, give that a Google yes. one day and just have fun. I mean, what a classic! Oh, such a good show. If, a if we're rebooting things. Why is no one rebooting Clarissa explains it all? 
That's a great question. Great question. Secretly in the works. I mean, right now we're in a writer's strike, so we can't reboot anything, but nothing, nothing can be rebooted. Nothing. After the strike is over, Hollywood, call me. Yes. Call Alyssa for (laughs) Clarissa. I have lots of ideas. (laughs) Thank you, Alyssa. Thank you, Alyssa. Dory, you know, what's fun is Alyssa and I often will meet up and go for hikes together. And she and I talked about the these books that we had yet to write on a hike one day. And I can still remember like us hiking up Fryman Canyon and her being like, I have this idea of like a journalist who interviews a celebrity. And it's like oh my gosh. one of those sexy, you know, those sexy interviews that kind of goes viral. And then they have to meet again 10 years later. And I was like, yes, write it. And then I was telling her my idea for my book, which became in a New York minute. And it like, it just is one of those memories that I kind of have that, it's very special to me. Like, you know, when it's always amazing when ideas and brainstorms and things you just hear a friend say in a conversation become these like actual works. That's so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. (sighs) Kate. Yes. Last week you said you were going to clean your office before I came over. (laughs) I did do it. I mean, it wasn't necessarily clutter free or anything, but I did, you know, get the food and the crumbs all picked up. It looked pretty good to me, I have to say. Thank you. What do you have going on this week? Dory, I have to be honest with you. I have been really struggling with going to bed, not just like having a bedtime that is actually like sustainable and gives me enough sleep, but also getting off my phone. I found I've kind of been doing that Mm. thing where I am kind of, I don't want to say numbing out, but like a little bit of like scroll numbing. Yes. And I also, because of the way my brain works, I have a little bit of a problem where, and this is why phones are so (laughs) rough for me. Is like, I'll see one thing. Like I saw a clip of a girl group from the late nineties singing a song and then I had to Google them because I was like, I remember this song, but who are these girls? And they're the group Bewitched. And oh, they're from Ireland. And oh, the sisters in the group had a brother who was in the Irish band Boyzone. I've got to now Google Boyzone and learn about Boyzone. So this is kind of what I do. Um, oh my God. Yeah. And then it's like, are all the members of Boyzone still alive? I've got to find out. Like I just kind of yeah. can't stop. And I think that's the challenge with all this kind of um you know, the way in which it's so easy just to kind of like scroll and search. So I need to revisit my intentions of getting my phone out of my bedroom. And um, actually, Anthony and I are kind of making a family um, like screen plan for all of us to kind of get Ooh. on the same board with. Yes. And it's like for kids and adults in the house. And we're going to try to get off our phones at 9 p.m. So Hopefully that will help because I have been staying up to like one or two in the morning. Oh my gosh, Kate. I know, Dory. I, know. I was going to say, I was about to say, I, oh, I've been staying up a little bit late too. Like, what, like 11, 11. 15. No. Oh I was, no. The other night I went to sleep at almost, well, I finally at like one fifteen, I was like, I need to stop. And I Jeez, put my phone Kate. down, but then my brain was like tap dancing away. So, oh no, you were overstimulated. Exactly, exactly. So I really have to be it's really hard for me to like shut that cycle down. Whew. I know. I know. Okay. Well, so that's where I'm at. How about you? Well, last week I was 
I said I was going to continue sort of like taking stock. And, you know, this is an ongoing process, I will say. You never, you never need to stop taking stock. You never need to stop. Um, this week and kind of like going forward, I, in the last few weeks, I feel like I've been like over committing to I have seen that things. in action. I've seen that in yeah. action. Like, uh, I'm not talking, I'm not necessarily talking about like work stuff. I'm mostly, I'm actually mostly referring to like social stuff. You had a week where like you had a lunch yeah. Or a coffee meeting it was just, or something every yeah, day. Yeah, it was crazy. And and I need to kind of like rein that in and set some better boundaries. And one thing that I need to get back doing, and I actually did do that a couple times recently, is like tell people I can't do something, not because I'm actually busy, but because I already have too many things going on that week. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. I'm not actually busy during this time spot, but like, I already have two lunches this week or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yes. Um, and that actually happened when you and I were trying to figure out a goodbye dinner for Sammy. <laughs> oh, because you because, had too much stuff going on. Well, you know, I used to, I had a rule like coming out of lockdown. I had a rule that I tried to adhere to that. Like I didn't want to go out more than two nights a week. I remember this. And I've been like pretty good about it, but then like every so often there's like exceptions. And I do find that if I go out more than two nights a week, it's just, it's just not good. Mm. And I already had two commitments this week. And that was why I was like, can we make this a lunch? So good call. Yeah. So that was like one of the things where I was like, Ooh, um, but I am also now realizing, <laughs> and look, these are, I also just want to say, these are good problems to have. Like I am, I'm very grateful that like my problem quote unquote is that like I have too much going on socially. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's like a, it's like a great problem to have. Um, but I don't know. I need to like find the balance. On that note, let us remind everyone that this podcast is produced and edited by me, Dori Shafrier, and you, Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager. Our network partner is Acast. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye.